Welcome to the Being Church podcast, where we work to inspire and encourage our St. Louis Parish community to go be church by discussing stories and topics of faith. I'm Elisa. And I'm Tom. And today we are going to continue this conversation about small groups. We really hope that you had an opportunity to tune in to the first episode that we did. Um, Actually, I'm going to encourage you to press pause if you haven't. Please. Go back and listen to that and then um, come to this one because this is kind of like a how-to of what we talked about in the first episode. What we talked about, yeah, last, last episode. Okay, so if you remember, uh, the last time we were together, we talked about just our really, really big hope that this Advent we would uh, help each other along um, in our faith journeys by figuring out how to do small groups. Right, yeah, we're doing this digital Advent mission. Advent mission online is a parish with Lectio Divina from Father Matthew and then... um, podcasts on Pope Benedict XVI's infancy narratives with the podcast. And so people are going to have, parishioners are going to have a chance to subscribe to this weekly newsletter with all these resources. And our hope is that we take, that people take these resources and practice them in small groups, do these things together in small groups. And so, yeah, we wanted to give a couple episodes of our our opinions on small groups and what we think they should look like. And today we're going to offer some practical advice. Right. Last week we were a little more theoretical. Right. We were we just kind of like the why it's important to exactly. do small groups and, and the ideal and all that stuff. Right, right, right. What it does, how it how it kind of moves our faith life forward when we're in community. Mm-hmm. Um, but today we wanted to, like Tom said, just give a couple of like do's and don'ts. And obviously this is just in our experiences um, working either in a small group or forming them um, or helping them be created. These are just some tips and tricks that have happened just that we've learned. Yeah. Upon. So we've got three do's each, right? And one do not. Right. So, uh, you yeah. want to just alternate do's? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. You go first. What's your first do? Um, I would say do make this a priority because okay. I think that it's really easy to be like, I'm really busy. And that that's my go-to explanation for everything. And it's true. It yeah. really, really is true. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that Advent is a really good place and space to make this a priority because we're really trying to be intentional. Mm-hmm. I think ordinary times sometimes you're just like, you're just going and going and going. And I feel like Advent, it begs us to slow down. And I mm-hmm. think that we can just, if we're busy all the time, maybe we could just say during Advent, I'm going to make this a priority. One of the things that uh, Father Matthew said during his homily um, for all saints day that really stuck with me. And it's actually been in my head over and over Mm. is he said to be a saint. It's not going to take just one thing. It's going to take thousands and thousands of things. Mm. And it was a really, you would think that that would have been like overwhelming for me, but no, (laughs) it was kind of like, there's no one and done. And we kind of know that, but what I, what it, it gave me some comfort 
in knowing that every little thing I do, doesn't matter if it's like one, like you and I just now decided, hey, let's go to daily mass. And so every little one tiny thing we do adds up to those thousands of things that help us to become saints. Yeah, where they like form us. Right, right they're it's forming like, us. It's not like putting like, Money quarters in, in a jar or right. anything like that. But right, exactly, exactly. The little things totally add up. Right, so I feel like my do would be make this a priority, make that, make this just one more thing that is helping you to conform your heart. I think that's really important. And you're right, the first reaction to anything of like, hey, we're going to do this at the parish, or hey, we think you should do this for your spiritual life is, I don't have time for that. And you're right, most people don't because we are so busy. It is beautiful how the church gives us different seasons and different times. Like the church knows that a human person is busy. And so we have these four weeks in Advent to really hit the brakes, right? To kind of let things that are less important, maybe fall by the wayside and to find time to to do something like this small group thing. I spoke to a parishioner about, she said she listened to our last episode uh, and she was just bemoaning the fact I'm, I'm teasing. I'm sure she's listening. I'm teasing. <laughs> she was just like, it sounds great. I don't have time to do it. Uh, but I think we all have an hour or an hour and a half. And I think that other people in this parish have that hour or hour and a half. And even if it's just two people, right? Oh, absolutely. Like, then it's a, it's a beneficial gathering priority. That's a good do. That's a good do. My first do, I know you were about to ask. Yes. <laughs> um, my first do for small groups is to open your home to people in a spirit of hospitality, uh, cautiously, but willingly, both of those things at the same time. Hospitality has been like such an important charism of the Christian life from the very beginning in the gospel, in the, in the Bible, um, we read about Abraham welcoming three visitors into his tent and, uh, like, just like rolling out the red carpet for him. And so this is like hospitality has been a part of our tradition from the very beginning. And I think that when we bring it to modern day and when we translate it to small groups, like our homes are often like fortresses, you know, we don't know our neighbors. Like we go in there and we hunker down, we get away from the heat, we get away from the cold. And we just like, we're, it's like a, it's a metaphor for being in and say, or whatever, like, you know, to be gazing at ourselves. And so when we open our doors and we let others in. Not only do we live from a spirit of hospitality, but we uh, we become vulnerable, right? And we we invite others to be vulnerable. Like it's an intimate space to share and to pray and to have fellowship um, in someone's home. But I think that a living room uh, aids the process of conversion and falling in love with Jesus and loving one another in a much better way than a meeting room at St. Louis does. Oh, absolutely. Nothing wrong with meeting at St. Louis. And I had to get past the like, you know, I have friends who have huge houses mm-hmm. and and ours is not huge. And I had to get past the whole like, your house has to, or like I have a friend, I just told my husband the other day, I was like, how does so-and-so keep her house so clean? Yeah. I need to know her ways. I had to get past this idea that my house had to be completely, utterly, you know, the lawn had to be completely manicured and the house had to be sparkling clean to yeah. to invite people in. Like it just is really important. It is really important to just, it, there is a vulnerability to be yeah. like, hey, this is my space and I'm offering it to you. Like as come on in. As it's it vulnerable. Is. Right. I mean, yeah, sure, vacuum. But like, oh, yeah. that's, mm, I love to that's vacuum. the difficult thing in the growing up that was t- tough for my family too. 
because uh, we've got a priest making faces at us through the window. Uh, gosh, he just annoys us. <laughs> we love him. I'll give you a we guess which Jesse. one it is. Um, yeah, that was the thing growing up at the Crony household. It was like when people were coming over, it was just like frantic, right? And so I understand. I understand that. And I also understand that not everybody has the gift or the calling to be hospitable. Um, but uh, we should all exercise it in some way. And cautiously because, yeah, you don't want to – you got to be careful who you invite in your home, right? Yeah. At a very basic level. Right. And that's all I'll say. For sure. So okay. what's your next do? Um, I say keep it simple. So here's the thing. If I am going to invite somebody to my house, I'm already like, oh, we should make it into a potluck and like – should I make sure that so-and-so brings this or should I find out? Yeah, right. Like who's gluten free? (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? And so then that makes you or me, I'm talking about me. It makes me lose the beauty of what I'm doing, the beauty of the gift. Right. And so I think that Ah, that's really interesting. So I think that if you just like, let's say this time around, you don't want to have to clean your house and, bring people in or find space for people or whatever. If that is going to cause this beautiful endeavor to like veer off, then just don't do it. Mm. Say to get, instead of getting seven people together or six, get one other person and be like, listen, I really want to have an advent where I'm focusing on Jesus. Can we grab coffee 45 minutes during your lunch hour and try to do this once a week? You know what I mean? Yeah. Keep it to what you're doing able to do instead of making this be one more thing I have to do. That's really insightful. It doesn't have to be like the most perfectly planned program. I liked what you said. If it's going to get in way of like the gift of it all, what God wants to give you and what you want to, you, you have to offer each other. If all of that anxiety and stress and planning is going to get in the way, then do something that's not right. Like sure. Meeting in the living living room is ideal. I think I would think that that's opening our homes to one another is ideal, but like, yeah, summer moon coffee shop is just as good. Right. I think that's, that's really so insightful. I shouldn't be so shocked. <laughs> You're giving me a look like, Whoa, Lisa, <laughs> you came with a do. It's just my mind is blown. That's... <laughs> okay. Your turn. Tell me. So my second do is, um, it's to begin in prayer but to continue in fellowship. And what that means is that the time that you spend meeting does not have to be uh, totally full of prayer. Like prayer should occupy a portion of the time that you're spending together. But if you're meeting for an hour, you don't have to pray for 50 minutes. Uh, you you don't have to levitate by the end of your small group, <laughs> right? Like amazing spiritual things will happen, but you just... just give God 15 minutes or give him 25 minutes and then spend the rest of the time in fellowship, eating, drinking a coffee, whatever. Like having that community time is just as important as spending time in prayer. And whether that prayer time is, you know, extemporaneous, just like speaking from your heart, whether you're reading a passage of scripture uh, and like studying it and praying over it, whatever, or you're watching a video on formed, whatever you're doing, like let that be a portion of the time you spend together because fellowship is just as important. Agreed. Okay, cool. What's, what do you got next? Oh, Um, sorry. Were you going to say something? No, I was, I was just thinking about that prayer time. I think that, um, I mean, it should be substantial, but it shouldn't be. No, no, no. I, no, I just like that you made that point. Um, because also, also I think that sometimes prayer, um, can feel awkward. 
Sure. And so if it's just like, hey, we're going to start with a Hail Mary and an Our Father. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like invite the Lord into the time. Right. Do the Advent thing, right? Mm-hmm. And then spend the rest of the time in fellowship. Yeah, talking and hanging out. Um, my last do is do reach out and do be okay with a no. So working in youth ministry, I have gotten exceptionally well, uh, good at, exceptionally good at taking a no without it hurting me. Yeah. It used to be like, hey, we're going to go to this thing or hey, we're having this youth night. And they'd be like, no. And I'd be like, oh, I'd take it as a hit on me. Like, like, oh, you don't want to hang with me or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I just have to understand. So like I would reach out, get a couple of ideas of people that you want to reach out to. Mm-hmm. One or two or three, whatever. Um, and then be prepared for a couple people just to not be in this season right now and mm-hmm. say no. And that does not mean that it it's about you. It could very well mean that they are super busy, or this is just like this is a this is a thing that makes people uncomfortable. Just yeah. no. And so they might just not be ready for that, and that's okay. But um, but do reach out anyway. Yeah. Um and yeah. And um, it's okay. Like, it really is okay if they say no. It really, really is. And on the flip side of that, if you find out that some of your people that you know at St. Louis have formed a group and they didn't invite you, I mean, maybe they just didn't think to invite you, right? Mm -hmm. But so ask them. But also don't try not to be offended at that, right? Like, for some reason, that group is on its own. Right. Take that as an ish, as a, as a moment to say, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna form another group. It's important that these don't become cliques. That's my don't. So oh, okay. You're getting sorry. into I, my I'm big, sorry. huge sorry. soapbox of a don't. I didn't read yours. I didn't. Read <laughs> no, yours. it's fine. No, this is good. You're right. Uh, do I have another do? You do. I do. I do have another do. You do have a do. We're saying do a lot. That's it's fine. Good Annoying. lead to jokes. It's fine. My final do is to have a plan, which is kind of funny because it's. Sort of opposite from what yours is about just like keeping it simple, but but it's not. It's important to have an idea of what you're going to do together, and it's important for someone to decide. Um, and so I guess in a way I'm saying it's important for there to be a leader. But, but not in the way person, that we that we generally think, like, you know, like you're leader. You know everything, right. and like we rely on you for all of this stuff. Um this person who's, you know, in charge, so to speak, shouldn't be the only leader, but right. someone should be coordinating, right? You should have a regular meeting spot. You right. should have someone who's like, yeah, I'll find Sending the content. Sending out the email or the right, text. Exa- right. right, like the logistics of it all. Like, yeah, that should all be coordinated. It's important. And those things, like working in the church, one of the most difficult things for me working in the church is the administrative side of everything, <laughs> everything, everything, like rosters and all that stuff. It's tough. I've learned to love it because it serves those evangelistic community moments. If everything's planned, if the space is clean, if you've got everything organized, it facilitates encounter. Right? So like it does serve. That is true. Yeah, it is. I like it. No, I'm not making it up. It's true. The administrative work really helps everything. Um, It facilitates encounter and it will help the small group to, um, to operate sort of flawlessly. Yeah, things will be awkward at the beginning. Get over it. Yeah. Social social encounters are always awkward. Yeah, absolutely. So that's my final do. So now into the do not. Yes. I, so. What should we not do? I, I would say do not, do not make this into like a click thing. So I think my main thing is do not 
take a photo. Do not post this on social media. Like resist the urge to make this like, oh, look, me and my folks doing yeah. Jesus time. Look, Because <laughs> all that's going to do is make another person feel like, oh, either A, I'm, I'm not in a place spiritually where I want to do that or that looks inviting or in, engaging. They're so much better than me. Right. It just, there. I don't know that there's a good reason. I don't think that it's an evangelization tool to be, to, to use social media to kind of promote your group or whatever. I really think this needs to be a personal in, in-person invitation or a call or even a text. Yeah. But I do not, because I do think that if we make this about like the click or the group, yeah. then it then it automatically the purpose behind it, which is a connection to our faith community and to God, is automatically negated. Yeah, I agree with you. It's got sort of a, a Pharisee in the temple vibe, doesn't it? Like, Lord, thank you for right. giving Making me, this me amazing, so amazing. Which is which <laughs> and is, my group so amazing. You know, I mean, it's not bad to be like, I love my group. I want to tell everybody about this amazing experience I've had, but to do it in a way that's I agree. Person to person is much better. Like if you really want to tell people about your group, like it would be much better to say, Hey, I've got this really awesome small group. I think you'd really love it. You should come join us or you should whatever. Anyway. Um, yeah, it's a little bit, uh, superficial, right? Social media in general is superficial. Right. I just think that there's a tendency to, to kind of showcase things. Mm. And, and, and I really have, tried to learn like what's like what's the motivation behind that really and honestly I would just say a personal invite is a lot more powerful because Mm -hmm. people tend to feel like we talked about this a little bit in the first episode episode, like like they feel special like so a personal invite tends to get people to say yes or Mm -hmm. to at least think about it more than like an advert like hey guys anybody want to get together for um I do that specifically for my the young adults my old student group because they're all spread out all over but like confirming the evening of yeah I we text we text uh, or send a private message to each student, and we do not take pictures. We do not post. Yeah, we that's do, good. That's because good. it, we want to keep it genuine to what we're trying to do, which is, hey, I want to engage in you. Like there was no, there were no phones out at all right. during this that's, session. That's a, that's a really great. I mean, that could be a, a second do not for you is right. like, just put, put your, your phones, phones away. away. Just mm-hmm. be present. Right. Like how often do we? Yeah, we don't often have these opportunities to be present to one another. So that's a that's a great do not. Um, a great caution, I think, to people. Yeah, definitely um, a caution, yeah. And also, like, going off of that, sometimes there's groups that meet, small faith communities that meet, that, like, people don't want to be known, like, that we're meeting, you know? Right. Like, a group of guys who are struggling with something, or a group of ladies who are, I don't know, you know, or, like, a group of widows who, they don't necessarily... The purpose of their group is not to be like, look how cool we are. It's like, let's build each other up, yeah. let's walk together, you know? Right. like. So uh, to yeah. honor that in other people, I like, agree. Yeah. If you're, if you're plastering it all over social, um, maybe you're missing the point, right? Maybe you're missing the point. So what's your do not? My do not is, uh, and this kind of, it ticks me off. <laughs> um, I know we're a little feisty about our do not. We're we? a little feisty about it and I understand why people do it, but it still ticks me off. My do not is, um, do not criticize people who present unorthodox beliefs. Say it again louder for the people in the back. Don't criticize, openly criticize people 
who present unorthodox beliefs in small groups. I understand that in the Catholic Church, there's no left, there's no right, there's orthodoxy, and there is error, right? right. Like, there, there, we have a doctrine, we have a truth. Truth is real. Don't email me and be like, you don't believe in truth, you're a relativist. I'm not. Wholeheartedly, I'm not a relativist. Right. But I do want to emphasize the fact that small groups are not a church, is not a place for perfect people. It is not a place for people who have it all together. And small groups in particular, your your friends may be faithful Catholics. You all may be on the same page. That's awesome. But at some point, there will be a small group who that meets. And one person in the group will not know the church's teaching on birth control right. or same-sex marriage or whatever, you know, uh, same-sex unions. But the small group is a place for people to, for lack of a better term, feel safe. Right. To feel like they can depend on their common community. And sure, if someone says something and it is wrong, you know, it is our responsibility to go to them in charity, one-on-one. Right. And to say, hey, I noticed that you said this thing about birth control earlier. Did you know? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Are you familiar with the church's teaching on, you know, marriage and children and family life? And let's talk. Like, I'd love to talk to you about that. It is not productive to stop a whole small group meeting and be like, what? You don't believe Jesus is fully God and fully man? <laughs> let me let me tell you. Oh, right? oh, oh. Like, that, that's really, I mean, yeah, there are opportunities for, like, theology. And there are small groups that do theology. Maybe it's more appropriate in those groups. But for groups that are meeting for prayer and fellowship, the goal is to support one another in prayer. The goal right. is to invite the Holy Spirit in and to be formed by him. Um, so I think... All I'm saying is that there's a right time and a right place to engage on doctrine. Well, and I like what you said um, something earlier when you and I were talking. You said, like, this is not a space for apologetics. Like, that's not what this Yeah, right. Unless is. it's like a specific, I don't know why you would be a part of a group where it's like, let's just argue with each other all day. But, like, maybe that feeds you. I, let me, side note. Yeah. I was scrolling through. I use like Google News where I so oh, I get yeah. a lot of different sources. Right. I get the right, the left, all sorts of things. I saw this article on a particular left-leaning uh, website. Uh-huh. And it said, if you want to get angry, read this article. And I was like, this is such, this is the problem with the world. Yeah. Like people are writing stuff to make each other Please angry. tell me you didn't click on it. No, I didn't. No. I scrolled past it with yeah. disdain. Disdain. But I don't, anyway, I don't know why you'd want to be part of a group where all you do is argue with each other. But Anyway, you know, that leads me what you just said that like the whole section of the do not that kind of leads me to a, a really important do that bonus do it's-, <laughs> it's a bonus do because <laughs> I think it's really um, it would be really wise to use this chance to be in small communities, small faith communities with people who are in your kind of same stage or season of yeah. life. It, now, yeah. I'm not saying it has to be that way. You can get a you can get a group that's that's like a variety and it has a diversity in it. But what I am saying is like I've been thinking a lot right now about how I can serve my parents mm-hmm. of the teenagers because I feel like it's really I've had a lot of parents of teenagers come to me with different really big, hard stuff right now. Mm. There's a lot of things that parents can control. And there's a lot of parent things that parents just absolutely cannot control. Yeah. And I think what is missing is this opportunity for parents to get together 
in in a faith group because there's parents, you know, there's band parents and sure. there's all kinds of parents uh, that hang out together for sure. whatever or neighbors that have kids in the same block or whatever. But I think that there's something very special about t- parents uh, that have teenagers. And I think that like for, for me, like the, if this was me right now and I was trying to get, I would be like, and I knew that I, a couple of other parents had teenagers. Yeah. I would like to do a study that would lend itself to maybe sometimes bringing in those or at the very minimum at the end praying for our teens together. You yeah, know what I mean? Sure. So like if you're a person who like loves doctrine, like that's your jam, then maybe the people you invite into your small group are people that you really know that like yeah. that we're going to jive and we're going to fire on all cylinders. Right. And with- if your passion is teaching people who don't know about the faith, come teach RCIA for me. Like right. that's that's the group that you should be a part of. Right. right? But I, I, I get what you're saying about like being with people who kind of vibe with you right? or who are in similar life situations. I think there's a ton of value in that, but I also think there's a ton of value that comes with like being with brothers and sisters that we disagree with. Oh yeah. Like looking at the early church, they disagreed a ton, <laughs> right? Like Peter and Paul were going at oh, it, yeah. but they, they have the same Lord. Right. Right. Like they were one in unity that talked about unity today at mass. And like, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, I think that for sure, if there's a diversity of like thought and opinion and all that, I think it's, that's, that can be really good if if you have a, if you have a posture of like humility and grace and love, right? right? And a spirit of learning and stuff like that. So maybe the short way to say the do not is do not approach your small group from a prideful position, but from a, a position of humility, right? To, to love others and to correct them gently, but not, don't be a jerk. Right. Because so at the end of the day, so at the end of the day, maybe this is something that we could kind of close on at the end of the day, the whole reason we're having small groups, I don't necessarily think that it's to like be super, super like, it's not like a necessarily like a being a catechized, being catechized situation, right? Is it? Not exclusively. Not exclusively. But that, that definitely will become seeds of faith Mm -hmm. that will be sown, right? But I do think like if we just all enter it with a posture of like, Jesus is coming and I want to, I want to be present to him through this idea of being present to my small faith community. Like that's kind of where we're headed. Like this is, what we're attempting to do is live a richer, fuller, more Advent that points us to Christ. Mm-hmm. And so it's not really a vehicle for any other thing other mm-hmm. than pointing us back to Jesus. Yeah. yeah. And so that, you know, again, keep it simple and like who it is might not be, uh, it doesn't need to be a place of stress or concern or anxiety. Um, it's just like, Hey, grab a person, grab some coffee and fumble and stumble through this, right. especially for the first time. Fumbling and stumbling is going to be perhaps perchance part of it. Oh, yeah. Totally part of it. I think that's really well said. I think that's a great way to end. Okay. Cool. Well, let me scroll down here. Yeah. That's you, bro. Brother. That's you, brother. Well, thank you for listening to the Being Church podcast today. We hope you've been inspired and encouraged to go be church in your own life by making small groups for our Advent mission. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd be grateful if you'd share it on social media with your friends and family. Or you could give us a rating in the Apple Podcast platform and subscribe so you receive all our future episodes. We love you. We are praying for you. Go be church.